1: the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as The Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and a nourishing and healing postpartum. I offer holistic birth preparation and postpartum online courses worldwide. For the conscious mama wanting to prepare emotionally, mentally, physically and spiritually for her birth and for her postpartum. And if you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. If you had a natural and empowering birth experience that you would like to share with the world, then you can email me at anathespiritualmidwife@gmail.com. And maybe your story will be featured on the Natural Birth podcast. Now let's dive into today's episode. Today on the Natural Birth podcast, we have Sarah. Sarah is a mother of two originally from the UK and now she lives in Byron Bay, Australia. She's also a midwife and a former colleague of mine. Today she's going to share about her natural home birth over 20 years ago in the UK and why she loved it. She's also going to share her pearls of wisdom As a midwife, on how a woman can optimize her chances of having a natural and
0: empowering birth experience.
1: Hello, Sarah, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today?
0: I'm well, thank you.
1: Very good. I'm so excited to have you here to hear about your natural home birth story and also as a capacity of a midwife, your advice and pearls of wisdoms when it comes to a woman who wants to optimize her chances of having a natural birth experience. So let's dive into your second birth story because I know you've had two babies so the first one was a baby in the hospital and you did uh, have some medical assistance and it wasn't maybe the most positive experience and that's why maybe you were wanting to have a home birth the second time around so tell us about that why you decided to have a home birth.
0: Okay so I had my first baby in 94, 1994 Uh, And that was in the hospital. So in 1996, when I fell pregnant the second time and I met my midwife, I was going over my experience of my first birth. And whilst it wasn't traumatic, it wasn't what I expected. And she suggested that maybe I have a home birth. Of course, I wasn't aware that home births were offered publicly back in England. So I sort of went home and to everybody's horror who said no, (laughs) but I said, no, I'm going to have a home birth. So it was suggested to me by my beautiful midwife, Lorraine. So, And how was that? Because you were in a GP uh, practice. So back then, yes, I went to a GP and uh, they cared for you. And they had midwives and nurses and the child and family health nurse all within that practice. Mm. So I had all my antenatal care was in the home. The midwives came to me in the home. I never went back to the GP apart from routine even bloods were collected in the home but I went out for routine ultrasounds so it was lovely oh
1: that must have made you Mm. feel so connected to your midwife having that continuity of care that's
0: right and then I think nearer towards the end you went and you met because obviously they were in a team and you just met the other midwives who could potentially come to your birth as for them being on call for 24 hours a day oh
1: lovely so it was
0: very nice
1: so, what made you feel like home birth was for you?
0: I think it was meeting the midwife and forming that trusting relationship. Um, I hadn't had a scary birth previously. I just had wanted a water birth, and that back then that just didn't happen. Uh, whilst she explained to me I couldn't have a water birth back at back at home, but I could actually birth at home. Mm. I did have a bit of a fear of hospitals. Mm. Um, never have particularly liked hospitals or back then I've never perhaps had a positive experience mm. in a hospital as a child and then certainly not in my labor yeah, your first of birth. my first baby. Mm. So for me to actually not have to go into the hospital mm. was, um, was a good experience. Mm. So yeah. So I just loved the midwife. She had two, she'd had twin boys mm. Um and we just formed that partnership that trusting partnership
1: which we know evidence based you know studies show is the best way of caring for mm. a pregnant woman it has the best results and and women love it mm. so please tell me about your second birth then let's start with the signs of labor
0: approaching did you have any signs of labor approaching okay so i went into i suppose um a new new ground, I had my first baby literally on my due date, I went into labour on my due date, had the baby, so I got to that with this second one, no baby, <laughs> and a few days later and still no baby, so that makes starts to make you a little bit anxious, is everything right, is this normal? Anyway, eventually I went to bed one night and woke up with my waters breaking. Right. Um, Look, I've got plastic on the bed, uh, called the midwife, thought, great, no contractions, called the midwife who came round and uh, actually offered to do an examination and a stretch and sweep and sort of said to me, you'll be calling me back in a few hours. I'm going to go home and sleep and we'll, I bet I'll see you soon. Oh, wow. So then I woke up at eight o'clock in the morning, having had a nice sleep and had a phone call from the midwife and no, nothing was happening. Oh. So then she broke the news to me that because back there that I had 24 hours to go into spontaneous labour before I'd have to go into the hospital the next day. So she'd say that my water's broke at eight o'clock in the morning. So that puts a bit of pressure on you. Mm. So we got up and um, I potted around at home. I arranged for my mum to come and fetch my younger child uh, because I wasn't planning to have him there for the birth. Uh, The midwife kept coming back, um, probably every four hours and be known to me and was taking my temperature which I suppose was one of their protocols with the broken waters um, and still no labour. We were actually decorating. I can remember we were still finishing painting. My husband (laughs) was painting the stairway. Mm -hmm. So it got to about four o'clock and I think she said, come on, you know, um, you've got to start and think about this and go into baby mode. Mm. Have something to eat and really start to think about labour. So I think I let go. I had something to eat. I remember I wanted some food. And I think by about about six, seven o'clock at night, the contractions started. Okay. And uh, I called my midwife because she was going to be my support person. My husband was there. He really didn't, um, hadn't shown much support with the first one. He was always present. That wasn't a problem. But it wasn't his thing to rub my back for me or anything. So the midwives had agreed to come as soon as I felt that I needed them. So the midwife came. And I just remember labouring downstairs in one of the rooms. The midwife sat on a chair behind me and I stood at, um, I'd got a Welsh dresser that was my grandmother's and I stood there and with every contraction, I swayed my hips to try and make those contractions last longer, feel stronger. Using gravity. Using the gravity. She didn't tell me to do that. I can remember I just did it naturally because I did not want to go to hospital. I wanted that baby to be born at home, so that was what I did. And I couldn't honestly tell you how much time went—probably four or five hours. And I can remember her saying to me, "It's time to go upstairs because that's where I plan to have the baby." So um, I said, "Why? Do you think I won't manage? I don't. Do you think I won't have any strength to push a baby out?" And she just smiled, mm-hmm. and we went upstairs. And uh, as we got upstairs, I got onto the bed, which was too soft, and I got uncomfortable on there, and they helped pull me back off the bed. And then I got onto my knees, and it was as I got onto my knees uh, and into that all-fours position that I really I started to feel that urge. And that was when my memory went, oh, this is just like last time, I don't like this bit. <laughs> um, I just had that. I remember that so clearly. I ought my first birth came flooding back mm. of this this is the bit where you had to really do some work and get that baby out.
1: Um, so it sounded like the midwife knew downstairs that you were transitioning, hey? Yes. She could maybe hear something? Because mm. I
0: had no – she didn't do any examinations, mm. I remember that. There was no examinations yet. She you obviously just listened. just listened to me, trusted my body. Mm. And when I went up there upstairs um, – And so I just remember just being on the bed. And then I think I must have been starting to push. I can't remember pushing, not how I can with my first baby, but I did push. Mm. But I can't remember it being a big thing or certainly wasn't directed to push. It was all Mm. natural. It was my own natural urges. Um, And then I can remember the second midwife coming in because by now it was about one, two in the morning. Mm. And for me, I just remember that lovely cold hand on my back as she said to me, You're doing really well, but just push your bottom down so that you're not pushing your baby up. You're birthing your baby up a hill, come down a hill. Because mm, you were having your bum up. I was putting my bum up in the air. <laughs> so that was quite. That's, and that's what I just remember that lovely cold hand on my back. Mm. And um, and then I remember that thing of pooing and looking around and going, Oh my God. And them all saying to me, stop worrying. That's good. Your baby's coming. Mm. And and then I just remember birthing the baby's head. And then I can remember s- literally being on all fours and just turning round and looking back. And there was, I actually watched my baby, as I know now, restitute. Mm. And my face was towards his face. I didn't know wow. it was a little boy at the time. And he cried. I can remember he did a little cry.
1: Mm.
0: And then I pushed him pushed him out onto the bed and uh, and that was it and then they all said to me it's a boy so because I so much wanted a girl mm. so um, so I previously said to the midwives that if I had a boy I'd be disappointed hmm. and I didn't want to hold my baby so we'd and I was having active management which I knew nothing about back then as a midwife now so I just went I was so happy to be at home that I was just guided by the beautiful midwife. So I had the injection. I can't even remember birthing my placenta. Mm. Um, I just know that I didn't have the baby in my arms at that time, which wasn't an issue. Um, And then I think once I'd birthed the placenta and I sat there and that was when I went, where's my baby? And they said, you said you didn't want to hold your baby. And so then they brought the baby back to me because Michael had got hold of the baby. And then I held him. Mm. And that was it. And then I bonded straight away there and then. And uh, it was lovely just to be at home. Mm. And then um, my husband went and made me a cup of tea because being English, I love my cup of tea. (laughs) And I had a cup of tea and some toast and some chocolates. I can't even honestly remember feeding baby, but baby was with me skin to skin all the time. Mm. Uh, It was all beautiful. Mm. I can remember I didn't need any suturing. And after a while, certainly when I was ready, I can remember they, the midwife helped me get up and took me to, for a shower. And I went and had a shower. And I came back and the room was all clean. And then they tucked me into bed. Oh, cute. At about, I suppose I had him at half past two in the morning. So probably by three, four, they took me into bed. And that was it. Mm. And there I lay in bed. And I, I seem to remember that he slept. And probably about four hours later, I remember waking up again. And the lovely thing for me was being able to go downstairs and make myself yet another cup of tea. Very <laughs> you to <me>. cuppers. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, that was just beautiful.
1: Do you want a natural birth, Mama? Then a the natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women, realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body, mind and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then The Natural Birth Course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com.
0: Yeah, and then the day began. I didn't remember the house waking up again at half past eight in the morning, and there was this our second son. All oh, right, and he, had he seen the baby, or was oh, that my, no? first, my my firstborn mm. didn't come home till sort of lunchtime. Right, didn't get back because my parents actually lived quite a way away. So yeah, that's beautiful. So it was nice, and it was it was so different from my first mm. birth because it was everything that I had planned and hoped for mm. um, happened. So
1: it sounds like you were really well supported mm. and it felt really safe both felt in the company safe. and in the home, obviously, mm. of your own home. Mm.
0: And minimal minimal intervention. It was it was beautiful.
1: So when you were labouring, you said that you used gravity, you were standing for most of the time, swaying your hips. Did that help as well with Pain
0: perception. Why did you do that? Where did that come from? I did. I look. I did that naturally. Yeah. Instinctively, I think I did it to also try and help to increase the intensity mm. and the duration of the contractions. I can't remember being instructed to do it. Maybe the midwife carefully planted that. <laughs> um, you know that thought in my mind. I don't honestly know. Mm. Um, I do remember with my first baby being on the bed all the time yeah, um, and that was just the, the way that it was that mm. I, I could have probably got up and walked around the room but it was they were always doing something or wanted to check something mm. so you were on the bed and you didn't seem to mobilize whereas here I was free to just do mm. what I wanted to do so yeah and so for me that just worked I mean I've never thought of my um, labors as quick I can't even I can't even remember the intensity of that first one until it came to the second stage mm. whereas I remember the intensity of my first labor yeah but I don't with my second one but I think that's having caring support people mm. in the room with mm. you makes a big difference really does
1: did you use any other tools or techniques to get you through your labor
0: like breath or I would have used breathing, I'm sure, Mm. because I used breathing with the first one. Um, What kind of breathing was that? I think I was talking to you earlier that Mm. in my antenatal classes, we were taught with bubbles. Mm. So we used to, in the antenatal classes, we'd play with bubbles and learn to blow out and blow bubbles into the room. And uh, I think I just loved that because I've always loved bubbles as a little girl. (laughs) So it resonated with me. In, um, and I could visualise that. I did actually take bubbles into my first birth, but I didn't use them. But I think it was something that I could do. It was just breathe in and just blow out.
1: And doing it slowly, obviously, because that's how you do bubbles, mm. and that slow breath would mm.
0: initiate that parasympathetic nervous system, that calming, mm. relaxing state of I mind. I think even the swaying—it's not—it wasn't fast swaying. It was yeah. just a gentle sway and I suppose it's a way that it makes a bit of room in that pelvis for your baby to keep moving down because you're opening your pelvis yeah yeah absolutely
1: beautiful is there anything else you want to share about the
0: your home birth um home birth is it's a beautiful experience I think you've got to really want the home birth for your own reasons Mm. um Mine were a dislike of hospitals. Mm. Um, it was my home, uh, I suppose. That was the other thing. Um, I felt safe and I trusted. I think that's so important. You've got to feel safe. Mm,
1: yes.
0: You've got to have a safe birth environment. And it doesn't matter where that is. If, exactly. If, and it's the people that are there with you. that's mm. really, really important. Um, all the lack of people. Not yeah. having too many people, mm. not too many people there. You just had you and your midwife and your husband, husband was around yeah. as well. and then the second midwife mm. that came in at the end, yeah. yeah. So I didn't know back then to have my son there, but at two, nearly, two, nearly three, I don't think that he'd have enjoyed it. Mm. I think it would have distracted me. Yeah. I never, I, for me, that wasn't... I think I was quite set in my mind. I never even thought mm. about having him. My, my plan was, as I went into labour, was mm. that um, he somebody would come and take care of him.
1: Yeah, well, I guess it's really it really depends on the kids and also mm. your relationship with the That's kids, right. isn't it, if you want to have kids at your birth mm. or not. Because in labour and birth, you really need to be able to let go. Mm. And if you're one of those mums that have to engage with your kids you can't let someone else take care of them when they're mm. screaming or they're crying you feel pulled to you know go into mama mode mm. you can't really be in labor and birth your mm. baby because you're then getting distracted don't you yeah and some can allow that they can allow somebody else to take care of their baby or their toddler or their kid and and not go into that and That's really sad. go into birth and and um but I
0: sometimes neat. think, oh, I had my baby at night. He'd have probably slept through it. He yeah, was a right. good sleeper. But yeah. hindsight's a lovely thing, ah. isn't it? Because I missed not having him there, mm. you know, um, a few hours after we'd had the baby. Mm. But, um, but that's all right.
1: Yeah. He's,
0: you know, he soon came and beamed and there was this baby. And it worked in that way that it gave my second baby time to just be an only child for a few hours. Yeah. So... That was another good which is what happens when you're in hospital isn't it maybe mm-hmm. gets time to just be with mum and dad and be the only child yeah so, it's good
1: beautiful so I would love to ask you if you had a first-time mama that is about to have her first baby and she really wants to optimize her chances of having a natural An empowering birth experience? What kind of advice or pearls of wisdom from both your own experience, but also as a midwife, would you give her?
0: Okay, so decide where you want to have your baby. So be that at home or in a birth center or in a hospital, then see whether it's practical. So sometimes you might set your mind and that birth center can't offer it or that hospital quite how you want it. Perhaps never, you know, don't give up um, and try and find somewhere. Then work out your support system. Mm. Uh, your support system is who's going to be there at the birth, who's your health professional, so that you've actually got a health professional to take care of you. And build a professional relationship. And it is a professional relationship with your healthcare provider because they're going to look after your health and the health of your baby so that you're both safe. Then you can have your support people who really are that love that embraces you, that's going to make you feel safe. And Mm. people do it in different ways, you know. My husband wasn't a hands-on person, Mm. but that safety was the home that he'd made for me. Mm. And this was what I wanted to do. And he wanted me to have the second birth Mm. that I wanted because he knew that the first birth wasn't... Didn't things didn't happen how I wanted to have them? Saying that we do have to be flexible, yeah, because sometimes it just doesn't always quite go how you want it to be. And I know that's certainly what I struggled with my first birth, with wanting the water birth, and mm. that's perhaps why I think so negatively of it. Mm. Um, and maybe perhaps it, as you, as we said, it wasn't mm. still a normal vaginal birth, mm. but I perhaps didn't see it as that Mm. because it didn't go how I'd planned in my mind yeah um so I think with my home birth I could see sort of like when I had that hind water leak or whatever that it was that then there was sort of saying to me I might have to go to hospital I could see it starting to go a little bit off track again like it did with my first birth so you have got to have a bit of flexibility in there.
1: Yeah, because labour and birth is so unpredictable. We can mm. only optimise, you know, our vision, but we can't control it. We just have to be mm. allowing
0: life to play out in the diet between mama and baby and that's the right. process. I mean, I say to women now that, you know, babies have actually decided which way they're going to come out. We can only just choose a pathway but that baby may have other ideas Mm. and decide that it wants to just go a different way and as a mum with a vessel we've got to go with that baby
1: yeah and to not beat yourself up and to realize it's not up to you you are not the only one deciding the outcome it's baby it's two people well yeah baby in the pelvis how baby's positioning you know all different kinds of reasons Mm. how
0: it all Mm. kind of and then on that journey on that saying, so that doesn't exclude your support people, because mm. your support people are there to tell you mm. how fabulous you are, mm. how well you're doing, you know, how you know, aren't you a great this is a great woman. There's all these women labouring with you. Mm. This is what you wanted. That's another thing that's good to remind you, you know, this is what you were mm. hoping for. This was your this was your vision. To be at home Mm. or with no pain relief, or, you know, so I'm, this is how I can support you in that. Mm. That is also another really important.
1: Especially at transition time, hey, when most women will have that surge of adrenaline or that crisis of confidence or feeling Mm. a bit of fear or anxiety, that's when you need this really stable, grounded support people, Mm. whether it is your midwife, your doula, your partner, your mother, your support people to remind you, Mm. you know, and also to remind you that you're probably really close to birth right now. That's That's why you're
0: feeling this. Mm. And that you're doing well. Mm. All is normal. That's right. Mm. Yeah.
1: Is there anything else that you would advise a woman who wants to optimise her chances of having a natural
0: birth? Um, so, if you're if you're birthing in a hospital or at a birth centre, again, stay at home as long as you can. And as I say, use your support people. So, phone your midwife if it's a continuity midwife or get your partner to, ask for advice and support or ideas of what to do, or make sure that you've decided that in your birth birth plan. Mm. Create a beautiful birth space at home Mm. where it's nice and cosy and safe Mm. um, and pretty, if that's what you like, or music Mm. or quiet or dark, somewhere that you can actually switch off from the real life. Turn off your phone mm. and towards the end, as you get towards that, t- when babies are due, mm. ask people to stop calling you. Mm. Have you had the baby yet? That really puts pressure mm. on you to have your baby. Babies will come when they're ready, mm. you know, and it's not always to suit everybody else. <laughs> and the pressure of people to have a baby on that due date or, and mm. not to, yeah, not to. I think to always remember, it's only an estimated date. It's not the date you're going to have Ugh. a baby.
1: I love that you say that because what is it, like around 4% of women actually have their babies on their due date. Mm. And I always talk to women about these, that your due date is actually a due term. It's a due month. It's That's from right 37 to 42 weeks. It's actually normal. All of it is normal. Mm. And there's this big pressure and expectation to not go over 40 weeks, which is really silly especially
0: a first-time mum. It's really silly. Mm. 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 I had, as I say, my first baby. was. I went into labour on the due date and, you know, I had a very good friend that had promised me mm-hmm. it was when the European tunnel opened and had promised me a watch if I birthed on that day. <laughs> and looking back now and I think, I mean, it was meant with the sweetest intentions, <laughs> but that was pressure. <laughs> I had him... The day after I never got the watch which is very good anyway <laughs> oh, goodness me. and so then my next one I, I had so many dates so that's why I, but I know he was he was a few days and it's not over no I had him at, I don't know let's say 40 plus four or 40 plus five mm. and um and to other mums you know only ever listen, if people have got stories to tell you, you only want to hear the good stories. You don't need to yes. hear the negativity. Yes. Keep that pos- And just put your hand and say, no, I just want to hear of the really nice mm. stories. Um, I don't mean say to women that labour isn't hard work mm. um, and that contractions or surges or whatever you want to call them it's pain, but it's good pain. Yeah, it's productive and you need pain. It. It's productive pain. It's purposeful. Mm. You know, it's got to be there. Um, but it's manageable because the body's got those beautiful hormones yes. that will start to kick in. And you really want a labor that starts nice and gentle so that you can build up to it so mm. that your adrenaline doesn't take control of everything.
1: Yeah, so all those beautiful cocktails of hormones dials you into this loving, internal, euphoric, magical space, Mm. isn't it? I love that you say that, you know, how it's purposeful pain and that you actually can't handle it, especially when you do have a natural birth. Mm. When you have a natural birth, the whole orchestration of all the hormones helps you along the way. It's mm. not just pain. You have so many other beautiful mm. hormones that are pain relieving, that works like opioids, that do make you feel
0: good. That's right. Get yeah. those endorphins in. Mm. The oxytocin and the love and the endorphins and... And you do need that little bit of adrenaline, but we need that right at the end. At the end, correct. And that's just natural, so. Yeah. Mm.
1: Any other pearls of wisdom?
0: Um, be patient. Mm. Trust your body. Mm. It's all we can say. Trust your body. And that is difficult in, you know, in 2020 with all the social media and mm. um, everything that we can look at. But if you've had a, a low-risk pregnancy and you're healthy and there's nothing that's um, that's gone wrong that you haven't needed, extra medical advice that's mm. sort of outside, just trust your body. Your body will know what to do. Mm. Go with your instincts. Uh, you And you see that so often women will go into a position quite naturally without anybody telling them. Yeah. And it's just that instinct because they've been left alone mm. and allowed to do what they want to do.
1: What position do you see most of? Because you do work in a low-risk birth center and it's low-risk women having um, natural births.
0: I see oh, those the women that are really fit and healthy go into, a, I call it a bit of that Buddha position when they go down into a squat mm. and can actually sit or stand in that position being old enough. I just envy that beautiful young body that's so supple and can do that and they might do that in the pool or in the shower yeah. and it's just so natural and it just you just see the pelvis just open up and yeah mm. it's just so empowering to sort of see them do that um Some people it's even who might just be lying on the bed because they've said they want to rest and they're side lying and they just start to lift their leg up and pull their knee up towards their chest and you go, nobody's told them to do that. They can tell that the baby's trying to move down and they're just opening up the space in the pelvis.
1: Mm.
0: When left alone, the body knows Mm. what to do. It Mm. can be on a bed, can be in the pool, can be anywhere and you just get into that beautiful position and it is different for everybody. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I know you've had some babies born in the shower and on the toilet and all Mm. our fours on the floor and we see everything, don't we? Mm.
0: Mm. Babies shoot out. (laughs) With that natural expulsion, when literally the head crowns and the whole body comes out, you just go, yeah.
1: yeah. And especially if it's a you know, mom, we've had a few babies, I've had that experience where there wasn't even a head and then a pause, so it was just the whole baby at once shooting mm. out like mm. a football. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, the body's amazing, isn't it? Mm. Just need to allow the body to do its thing. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the Natural Birth Podcast. It was so lovely to have a chat with you and to hear your wisdom, and your birth story. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please share it grade it on itunes and leave a comment if you want to connect on social media you can find me on facebook as the spiritual midwife or on instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife thank you for listening